Go ahead and turn in your copy of Scripture to Matthew chapter 28. We're finishing this series called Healthy Hearts, where we've been looking through the Gospel of Matthew to discover what it means to have a heart that is healthy. If our heart, not the physical organ, but um, the spiritual aspect of our life, if our heart is healthy, Proverbs 4.23 says that our life will be healthy. Uh, If our heart is healthy, uh, then our relationships will be healthy and our Um, um, our attitude will be healthy. Uh, Everything flows out of the heart. And so we've been looking at what it means to have a healthy heart. And we're closing uh, this series today. Next week, we begin a new series. uh, And we're calling three circles. I think we may uh, skip one week. Uh, I've got something that we might be able to do next week. But um, uh, we're... uh, uh, um, beginning a new series uh, where we're looking at how to share the gospel with other people. So it's kind of flowing out of today's message. Uh, You'll see that in a second. But uh, today we're in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, where Jesus really does give us um, our life's purpose. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, you need to know that uh, you do have purpose. And it is clear. And it's the same as my life's purpose. And it's the same as my daddy's life's purpose and my granddaddy's life's purpose and my great, 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 great granddaddy's life purpose. If you're a follower of Jesus, our life's purpose is set. And that's what can lead to great contentment in life. It, it, it certainly helps us have a, a heart that is healthy when we understand the why of our life. And so today we're going to look at the why of, of your life and mine. Uh, Kurt Breland understood his why. Edie and I were talking this week and um, she said, you know, that there's a little jingle, you know, he understood the assignment. And Kurt understood his assignment. And if you had any interaction with Kurt Breland whatsoever, you know he understood his assignment. He was clear on his life's purpose. In fact, I would suggest that this message is perfect on a day like today because it is a beautiful reflection of who Kurt Breland is and was. He had a healthy heart. Because he lived according to the purpose that God had given him. We see that in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. And I want you to read these verses with me. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Then the 11, oh, to catch you up, if, you, if you're not familiar with the gospel of Matthew, this is... Um, the setting. In Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is arrested and he's killed on a cross. Uh, Not by accident, but according to the purpose and plan of God, Jesus died on a cross for sinners like you and me. And in his death, he provided the opportunity for us, you and me, to live a life of forgiveness if we put our trust and our faith in him. Matthew 27, Jesus dies on a cross. 
Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, we see Jesus is raised from the dead. So Jesus who died is now alive. And that resurrection uh, gives us hope, a hope that is living, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for every person who has trusted Jesus as Savior and King. And now, Jesus meets uh, the ladies, the faithful women disciples at the tomb. And by the way, the women were the ones who had the courage uh, to confront any bad Roman soldiers that were there. The disciples are hiding in an upper room, the men. But the ladies go out there, and they, wanna, they want to take care of the body of Jesus. And when they get there, Jesus meets them, and he says, hey, listen, I'm not dead, I'm alive. And they're freaking out, right? And he says, now, I want you to go to those scared little cats up in the upper room. I want you to go to the disciples, and I want you to tell them, meet me on the mountain I told you to meet me on. Kind of code language there. And, and so the ladies go, and they finally convince the disciples Jesus is alive, and, and, he's, and they say, he told you to go meet on a mountain. So they go, uh, and they meet Jesus on a mountain. Now, verse 16, Jesus speaks. And I want you to hear what he says, not only to the disciples then, but to the disciples now, to you and to me. You see, this isn't a message just for the 11. This is a message for the church. This is a message for you and me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is God's purpose for you. Matthew chapter 28, beginning verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped Jesus, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. And behold, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. The last words of Jesus Christ on this earth to his disciples rings in our hearts. And I pray that through those words, you and I might capture, be captured as, as his 11 disciples were captured, as Kurt was captured, that we would be captured by God's purpose for you and me. You see, a healthy heart is a heart that has been captured by God's purpose. A healthy heart. Um, our hearts are healthy when we are filled with this purpose that God has given us. There is perhaps no one I've ever known who was more captured by God's purpose than Kurt Breland. Kurt was a school teacher when I first met him. And teaching in those, uh, teaching Jim uh, at the school, Kurt still had a heart to fulfill God's purpose 
for his life. So much so that a few years later, Kurt and I met and I asked him, will you come to be the missions pastor at our church? Because he had a heart, not only uh, to fulfill God's purpose, but to mobilize you and me to fulfill God's purpose. Kurt understood clearly what some of us have yet to realize, that the church is not a pleasure ship for us to walk around and sit back on our deck chairs and just take in the scenery. Church is not a place for us to gather and be entertained. But the church, rather than being a cruise ship, is a battleship where men and women, boys and girls who are followers of Jesus Christ are mobilized to take the good news of God's rescuing love around the seven cities of Hampton Roads, across the street, and around the world. How, I wonder how many of us are really captured by that. How many of us are really captured by the fact that this church isn't for your entertainment? This church is the people of God, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit that God mobilizes to accomplish His purpose through you and through me. Man, Kurt, Kurt had that passion. And he tried to share that passion. It bled through in everything that he did. And, and I want you to know that Kurt was content. Kurt was content. Our church didn't do everything the way Kurt wanted our church to do things. That's just true. But Kurt wasn't dissatisfied with the church. He was content. He was content because he understood his life's purpose. Can I humbly suggest that maybe some of you who are gathered here today wearing the red shirt, you're discontented with church because you are not living the purpose that God has given you and me. Your focus is on something different. You're looking for your deck chair on the pleasure cruise when we should be looking for the sword of the Spirit and the armor that the Spirit of God gives us in going out and fulfilling the purpose that God has given us. So what is this purpose? And we see it unveiled. There are other passages in Scripture that, that reveal this life's purpose, but it's clear here. The life purpose that God gives you is the same life purpose that God gives me. It's not different. It's the same. If you're a follower of Jesus, here is your life purpose. Here is my life purpose. First and foremost, we worship Christ even in uncertainty. Amen. Even in the midst of uncertainty. I, I can't tell you. And again, y'all see me up here. And you don't always see me not up here. And so when you see me up here, you see a guy that does this and speaks loud or speaks soft or uh, you see this guy I got to tell you I'm not doing well 
one of my best friends is not here anymore. And there is a deep grief in my soul. And it hurts. And I know you feel that too. And since Thursday, I'm not doing well. I mean, God is gracious and don't think I'm, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but I'm not. I'm not doing well in the same way you wouldn't be doing well if your best friend, one of your best friends went to be with Jesus. Kind of walking around in a haze. And as I was looking at this passage again with fresh eyes of grief, I was looking at verse 16 and 17. In 16, the disciples get to the mountain and they see Jesus. Verse 17, it says that, and when they saw Jesus, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They worshiped Jesus. But then there's that phrase, but some doubted. Some doubted. You know, that, that phrase, that word doubted, is, it's uh, not the same kind of word that we would use for doubt if uh, I don't believe you kind of doubt. That, that's not the word that, that's used there. The word that's used there is the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 14 where Peter sees Jesus. All the, Peter and the disciples are in a boat and they're rowing across the, uh, the, the lake. And they see this this figure walking on the water toward them. They think it's a ghost, but Jesus cries out and says, don't be afraid, it's I. It's me. I'm Jesus. I'm here. I'm walking on water. I'm, I'm changing the structure of the molecules of H2O so that they are solid underneath my feet. Jesus, the creator, walking on water. And they see that, and Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I. And Peter, you know Peter, Dude, I wish I had his kind of courage sometimes, don't you? Peter sees Jesus, and you know what he does? He jumps out of the boat to join him. Peter starts walking on water with Jesus. You know how the story goes. And uh, Peter begins to take his eyes off Jesus, begins to look at the wind and the waves. And his mind and his heart begins to be filled with uncertainty. And he begins to sink. And Jesus pulls him up, puts him in the boat, and says, Oh, what a wavering faith. It didn't mean that Peter didn't believe Jesus. It meant that he was distracted by the uncertainties around him. Can I tell you, that's where I've been the last few days. I believe Jesus, but man, the uncertainties around me cause me to shake and tremble inside. But then last night, our worship arts team had a night for worship, an evening of worship. And I got to come at 6 o'clock last night, and honestly, I didn't really want to be here. I, I, I just didn't. But I got here last night, and I sat right where I always sit, right down here. And I began to worship. Singing psalms. Hearing the psalms read. Reading the psalms aloud. 
I began to worship. And it was like a cold drink of water on a hot summer day. It was like a gushing river in an arid, dry land. It was, it was precisely what I needed. That's what worship does. See, worship in times of uncertainty, that's where we need to be. When, when we are uncertain, the disciples were uncertain. They were saying, what's next? They saw Jesus. They worshiped him because he is risen and he is not dead. But they doubted. They were filled with a wavering faith. They were like, I don't know what's going to come next. What does this mean? They were uncertain. The first priority of every human being is to worship God who made them. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, understand our first priority is to worship Jesus, our King. And guys, I got to tell you, we don't gather here so that we can entertain each other. You realize that Kurt didn't like every sermon I ever preached. Can you imagine that? And yet some of us who are here today, we don't come here often. In the gathering of God's people, we don't come here very often because we don't like the songs or the preaching, the sights and the sounds. And so we don't show up here. We kind of boycott this moment. God help you. God help you. God help you see that worship is not about your entertainment or mine. But worship is where we adore Jesus Christ, the risen King, whether we like the sights or the sounds or not. You know why Kurt could worship even if he didn't like my sermon? Because he had been in places around the world that don't have all the trappings that we've got. All they have are people in a twig tent to stand up and sing a song in a language he did not understand, but to the God that he served. And he worshiped. Oh, that we would get back to the heart of that worship. That's our life's purpose We worship, even in uncertainty. Not only do we worship in uncertainty, but another element of our life's purpose is to submit to Jesus in everything. Uh, Look look at verse 18. Jesus said, so they get together, they start worshiping Jesus. Are you worshiping Jesus the King? That's your life's purpose. And as you worship Jesus the King, listen to what Jesus says. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I just want, I want that to grasp us this morning. All authority. There is nothing in all the realm of the universe or the imagined worlds of the, of the universe that is not under 
the authority, the power, and the control, the supervision of Jesus Christ, the King. And that includes you, and that includes me. My job, my calling, my purpose is to submit to Jesus, my Lord, my King. One of the healthiest things our heart can come to know is that I am not in charge. An addendum to that would be, I am not in control. Jesus Christ, the King of glory, He's in charge. Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, He's in control. It is my job, it is my calling, it is my life's purpose to worship Jesus and to submit to Him. In everything, he has universal authority. Everything. There are things that I don't understand. Please, no. There are things I don't understand. But I I know the one who does understand. And I can trust him. My job is to submit, not to be in charge. Might I humbly suggest that maybe the reason you are discontented with church, with life, with family, with your now or with your tomorrow, the reason perhaps that you're discontented is because you want to be in charge and you want to be in control? Rather than trusting the one, the only one who is trustworthy enough to be in charge and to be in control. Oh, friends, let's submit to his authority. As we see his authority is universal in scope, it also leads us to understand the specific activity that he calls us to. Our life's purpose is to worship Jesus even in uncertainty and to submit to his authority, to his power, to his command, to his control. And that means if I submit to him and if I worship him, that means that I must pursue making disciples as my priority. I know you're going to think, well, here he goes, that Baptist preacher talking about making disciples again. It's not because I'm a Baptist preacher that I'm talking about making disciples, because this is what Jesus says. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, based upon my authority, here's what you must do. If you're going to submit, if you're going to worship, here's what you must do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded to you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Our life's purpose is to worship Jesus. Our life's purpose is to submit to his authority in everything. Our life's purpose 
is to pursue as our priority every day, making disciples. Making disciples means that we go to where they are. The going is part of making disciples. Aren't you glad Kurt Breland had a passion for going? We, Stephen Jessup told me this morning that there's a, a congregation, a family of believers in Southeast Asia where Kurt has spent a lot of energy and time. And they've been so moved by Kurt's life and sharing life with them, his disciple-making there, that they sent a video of, of different ways that they're commemorating Kurt and honoring him as they worship. Southeast Asia. I got a call from Congo, a text from Congo yesterday. I got a, I got a call from the pastor in Montreal, David Potier, and he's coming. I, I got a text message from uh, North Africa, Middle East area. Yesterday and one this morning. They want to know when the funeral is because Kurt was passionate about going. It wasn't just around the world. It was down the street. Even though he loved Alabama Crimson Tide, he was a product of Old Dominion University. He played basketball with Old Dominion. And every Tuesday, he would go to Old Dominion, and he would serve the international students, all with the intent of making disciples. Kurt went to make disciples. Making disciples is going and helping people understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel. Kurt was diligent, passionate, purposeful, and intentional to share the gospel. Baptizing. Baptism is a mark of someone who has crossed the line of faith and has moved from darkness and death into light and life. Someone who's been rescued by God's grace. Having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they embrace by faith the gift of life that Jesus provides and they declare it through baptism. That's making disciples. Making disciples is, is teaching. Kurt had over 20 Bible studies. I think that's right. Over 20 Bible studies every single week or month where he would meet with people all around the world. And he would meet them on the uh, uh, Skype or whatever it's called, uh, 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 Zoom or or whatever, he would, he would host these Bible studies every week, and, and he was taking people, some who had yet to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, and some who had just embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he would help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. Oh, friends, are you helping anyone understand what it means to follow Jesus? It's called sanctification in Scripture. It's where, where my life begins to look more and more and more like Jesus. Teaching isn't passing on information. Teaching is looking for a transformation of my life. So I don't look like Eric Thomas as much as I look like Jesus. And I need somebody to help me, to disciple me, 
to walk with me through the word of God where the ways of God and the will of God becomes the heartbeat of Eric Thomas. Disciple making. And Kurt was passionate. If I were to ask how many of us in this room in the last week shared the gospel with someone, I wonder how many of us would raise our hands. If I were to ask how many of us have shared the gospel with someone in the past month, how many of us would raise our hands? If I were to ask how many of us have shared the gospel with someone in the last year, if I were to take a poll and say, how many of you have ever shared the gospel with someone personally, one-on-one, what would the result be? Oh, that we would be convicted by the Spirit of God to be more purposeful and passionate and to pursue as our priority making disciples. Can, Can I humbly suggest that some of us Some of us don't understand our life purpose because we don't have the same priority that God has. The last words of Jesus tell us that the priority that he has for us is not to be entertained in church. The priority that he has for us is the same priority that uh, compelled Kurt in and through his life. The priority is to make disciples. Oh, that we would be burdened by that priority. Our life's purpose is to worship Jesus even in uncertainty. Our our priority is to submit to Jesus in everything. Our priority is to pursue, our life's purpose is to pursue disciple-making as our priority. And finally, to round out our life's purpose, it is to live in the comfort that Jesus provides. Last phrase, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Can I tell you, I need Jesus. Not some distant idea of Jesus. I need Jesus. Not some theological treatise on Jesus. I need Jesus. Not some not some uh, dusty intellectual thought about Jesus or philosophy about Jesus. No, friends, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to take me by the heart. I need Jesus to hold my hand. I need Jesus to walk me through this deep, dark, shadowy time of sorrow and grief. I need Jesus. And he says, hey, Eric, I'm with you. I'm with you. Rest in the comfort I give. The reason we know we can fulfill our life's purpose is because the one who has given us that purpose promises to be with us as we seek to fulfill it. Jesus is with us. So today I just want to pray and ask, oh God, oh God, Help me to live according to the purpose you've given. This is it, folks. It's not anything bigger than this. This is it.
This is as big as it gets in the kingdom of God. You want to go deeper in the word, start obeying this, and maybe you can discover more of the hidden truths of God. This is it. This is it. Our life's purpose. Given to us by Jesus Christ and friends, yes, modeled by Kurt. For as long as I've known him. Worship Jesus. Even in uncertainty. Submit to Jesus in everything. Pursue the priority of making disciples and live in the comfort that he provides. Will you embrace this life purpose from God? You know, I've been praying for over a month, two months, three months maybe. been praying for us to be healthy. For you to be healthy, for me to be healthy. This is it. You want to be healthy? You got to embrace this purpose that God has given. Sure, a way to be unhealthy is to embrace as your highest priority some purpose that God has not given. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you and I would make God's purpose our purpose. Would you bow your heads with me, please? These next few moments, we're just going to worship. And I, I want to encourage you to set your focus on Jesus Christ. And as we sing our song of praise to Him, and as we adore the God who spoke into the darkness and offered us the light of life through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you just to worship Him. To worship Him. To come to Him as a son and as a daughter, recognizing that He is your life. To worship Him. And while we worship Him, I'm going to encourage you and I, I, I want to invite you to submit to Him. Not your idea of what you want him to be, but submit to him as he's revealed himself today through his word. Submit to Jesus. And as you submit to him, will you commit yourself to follow his command and make disciples as you go, baptizing and teaching, helping others know how it, what it takes to enter into God's family to become a son and daughter as you are. To walk with them as they learn to walk with Jesus. To make disciples. And if you're here today and you're like me and you're struggling. And you're hurting. And you're grieving. Embrace this wondrous purpose of resting in God's glorious embrace. Jesus is with us as we submit to Him and as we obey His command and as we worship Him. Jesus is with us. So live in the comfort that He gives right now.
Oh God in heaven, as your people worship you, as we lift our hearts in praise before you, I pray that you would remind us that we are your people, brought into your family through faith in Jesus Christ. And as your sons and daughters, we live for your pleasure. And we give ourselves in these moments to worship you, to submit to you. And God, if we are not all in to making disciples, I pray, God, that you would burden us to begin that journey today. And if we think it's too hard, I pray that you'd remind us that you're with us every step of the way, every single day, from here to heaven. So now be glorified as your people worship you. And it's in the name of Jesus we